Dude, we should just have NFL drafts for the government. I'm in. It's you better know? than the shit we do now. You've got all these states who are like, yeah, I want that dude. And so they're like bidding on that dude, you know, in the federal <laughs> government. Like, no, we want that guy, you know, and then you give Florida whatever's left over. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Our Verdict podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Javier Ortiz. What is up, nerds? And Ian Anderson. Some shit. All right. Do you guys ever find yourself wondering if you should spend the time, money, or both on a movie? We're here to answer that question for you. Each week, we put a movie on trial, discuss the facts, pass judgment, and let you know our verdict. We appreciate you helping growing the podcast by hitting the follow or subscribe button, tell a friend about us, go check out our website and subscribe to our email list for exclusive content and updates. You can do that at whatsourverdict.com. Today, we're reviewing the trial of the Chicago seven. It was released October 16th, 2020. It was written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. It stars Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ben Shankman, and Frank Langella. It is. Oh, and Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's in there as a guest star. <laughs> There's so many people in this movie. Like it is out of control how big this cast is. So this movie is the story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. If you haven't seen this movie and you want to avoid spoilers, go ahead and pause here. Go watch our spoiler-free review on Facebook or YouTube and see if it's a movie you want to watch first. Once you've watched it, come back and pick up where you left off. Or if you don't care about spoilers, stick around because we're about to spoil the shit out of this thing. Guys, let's just jump right in with this movie. I'll get started because one thing I want to talk about is right out the gate because I know it's going to come up. The accuracy of this movie. It is based on a true story. The events did happen and I was curious how much license was taking because one thing I'll give Aaron Sorkin is he makes a lot of political drama television. He's the guy that did West Wing, the television show. He did Casey's favorite show, The Newsroom, which is very political, very great show. As much as I get sick of watching it over and over again because Casey watches it on repeat, it's a very well done show. He does a lot of that stuff that's very politically driven. You know, it's one of those things where I trust him when it comes to what he's making. But I was curious, what is real, what isn't? Most of what happened in the courtroom was accurate. In fact, like Javier said in the in the spoiler-free review and get this, when it came to Billy, the one black man in the trial that was technically not even supposed to be in this trial because he didn't have a lawyer at the time, they show in this movie him being bound and gagged. That and happened? For multiple three days. days. Three days he was bound and gagged in the courtroom. Bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Three days. Okay. My question is, did the assistant attorney general actually get up there and be like, yo, what the f- we can't bind and gag people in an American courtroom. No, he did suggest that they split him off, but it was the other lawyer made a comment in this movie about, of course they do, because they've made a sympathetic character out of him. Yeah, Yeah, he's a martyr now, so they want him out of this trial because it helps our defendants. He brought that up, but they called this district attorney that was trying this case, this lead lawyer, the, the government's bulldog. He didn't give a shit. All he cared about was winning and putting these guys away. So this movie actually made him a somewhat sympathetic character at times because it made it look like he yeah. actually cared. He didn't give a shit. Joseph Gordon Levitt character. Correct. Yeah. Joseph yeah. Gordon Levitt's character. Know. He was, and, and they don't know. Obviously, there's things, and he's that person, the actual lawyer, Schultz, came out after this was released and said most of what they showed is a fantasy. Now, obviously, it wasn't because a lot of it came from court documents, things like that. Yeah. But, how stupid do you think we are, dude? <laughs> but I think, in my opinion, what he's talking about is he was probably harder on a lot of this because, and 
and I think about it, and as a human being, you would hope that someone would see something like that and stand up as he did. But as a lawyer, someone that's your job to put people away, and you're this is like the biggest case of your life. You've been that's given not this. your job as an attorney. Your job's to win, man. Okay, you know what part really just flew me over the edge? Yeah, the rage was when the judge said, "This is my courtroom." Oh, I was like, "How fucking dare you?" This is the people's courtroom, and you are a servant of the people. This is not your courtroom. This is a courtroom of the American people, you fucking asshole. Oh, dude, that comment like really just did it in for me. I was like, that's it. Crucify this judge. <laughs> I did some a little bit, not probably as much as you, JJ, but research on like what was true, what wasn't. And there mm-hmm. was one thing that kind of bugged me a little bit, but you know, Dellinger, the like no violence, the bald, mm-hmm. yeah, him. He didn't actually punch a bailiff. And I was really curious why they put that in there because I feel like it kind of it goes really against his character. Uh, so, yeah, he has like a history of it, but yeah. So that's a great question, Ian. And I, I had, I thought the same thing because I did the same research and I, I did come across that. What I also found out about him was no, he did not punch a bailiff in the courtroom. In fact, he didn't resist at all when they came. He did have his outburst. That actually happened. And okay. when they arrested him, he ju- he did tell the officer, "You don't need to put your hands on me. You don't need to put your hands on me." But he went willingly. Not he didn't fight, and he definitely didn't punch anyone. However, when he was in college, he punched one person and he felt so guilty about it that he swore he would never do anything like that again and became a full on pacifist. And I read some interviews from him where he talked about that moment in his life where he punched this kid. And I think it was one of those things where they put it in the movie to show that lesson for him because he was so ashamed, he said, when he punched that guy. So you can see that he was ashamed when he looks back at his kid in this movie, looks at his wife, taking that shame, even apologizes to the bailiff. So that that level of shame, I think, was just to show kind of that part of his life. So they took that artistic license there in that moment to add some drama to the show, as well as to show the lesson that this actual human being in person and that's being portrayed here went through as a younger man in college. But a mean left hook, though, that bailiff went down. No shit. Look, John Carroll Lynch, the actor, is a very large man. And so I can only imagine. No, he's very big. He's taking a punch from his and going to feel good. I have mad respect for like conscientious objectors and pacifists and stuff because like I bunch people today I feel great <laughs> like good for that yeah I, I don't know no I guess I have respect for people who have punched people and are like okay I don't want to do that anymore right because if there's pacifists out there who haven't punched anyone you should try it yeah see if you actually like it yeah it's kind of it's great <laughs> might get a tape for it <laughs> might end up in a boxing class or two <laughs> so one of the things that really disturbed me besides obviously the most disturbing part is this man being bound and gag in an American courtroom in the middle of a trial that his rights were being trampled on by not allowing him to have his lawyer present and then not giving him the mistrial that he deserved by starting this trial when he had no lawyer present. All of that was true and happened. But the next step of that is almost all of the antics that the judge puts on in this movie down to the cutting people off to objecting to the point that members of the courtroom and the trial were saying sustained or yeah, or overruled before he did or with him. All that's true. Like this judge was a nutcase.
sucks. That sucks. Dude, the part where he sustained an objection before the objection was made, I'm like, bullshit, dude. Are you for... Yeah. Ah, All of that actually happened. I like at the end, they note that little fact, like they pulled like a whole bunch of lawyers in the area or something and they all like found him unqualified. Yeah. 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 Well, and it just goes to show too, because at the end, obviously all of these in the court of appeals, all of these convictions were overturned because this man was out of his mind and obviously biased. They even mentioned that they found that there was bias. Five years? No, not the full five years. Like I said, the the court of appeals, I think they served some time, obviously, because they were assigned to the the five years. That the DA didn't rejected the the request for appeal, like at the end of the movie, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. The new DA sucks well, with man balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they rejected the ability to retry. So the the appeal, the court of appeals mm-hmm. said, no, we're overturning these convictions. You can retry them. So it wasn't overturned or without prejudice. It was just overturned. Oh, so they I'm could retry them. And the DA decided, let's not try to retry this. And they just let mm-hmm. it go. Because obviously, I mean, with all the testimony they had, not to mention the former D, like attorney general that didn't get be, to be part of the official trial, the amount of evidence that they had or didn't have was obvious that it was never going to happen again. They weren't going to get that conviction a second time. So the prior attorney general really did come and they had like, was that legit? Yeah. Wow. That one yeah, was like, one that I was like, so surprising that it couldn't possibly be true. And that, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, can All we talk that's... about that? Yeah. Michael Keaton at his finest. That was like, <laughs> dude, when Billy, what's his name? The, the attorney, when he, they go oh. to... Oh yeah, Kustner. Kustner, yeah. And the other attorney, when they go to uh, the old attor- the old attorney general's uh, house and there's two federal agents there, you think they're just walking into a trap, right? And so uh, Kustner is just like, all right, like we think you should testify because something's up. And he's like, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I wanted these guys. These guys came here to tell me that the new attorney general can and will cut me in half if I testify for you guys. So I wanted them here when I said, okay, I'll do it. And I was just like, boom, right yeah, like after the, Tom was like, you need to find some courage. Yeah. He looks yeah. back at Tom. He's like, found some. Yep. <laughs> greatest line. Oh, one of the greatest lines in the whole movie. I love that part, that whole scene in the house. Cause like you say, you're like, oh, these guys are fucked. And when that guy goes after him and he's like, this is where you need to find some courage. The lawyers are sitting there going, shut yeah. the fuck up. He's oh. giving us what we want. <laughs> well, not like, yet. Got not him. Point, right? Yeah, no. But they f- had a feeling he was going to. They were like, just don't offend him. And you could see Keaton's face looking at him like, will you shut up, youngster? I'm about to give you everything that you want. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, my gosh. So this guy, he goes to court. And the judge doesn't let him testify in front of the jury until they hear what he has to say. And what he says is the opposite of incriminating, whatever that is. Yeah. It is what would let them off scotch-free. And the judge is like, I don't see any reason why the jury should hear this. You're just like, oh, and then Kutzner is like, what does he say? He's like talking about how there's this whole conspiracy to like lock these guys up. And the whole time, Michael Keaton is like, yes, uh-huh, yes, that's true. Yeah, there's a conspiracy that happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then he is, I don't know what to call it, his like mood or personality. I don't know. He walks up to him and he's just like, I'd get to start on the pill as soon as you can, like hit that hard and walks yeah. off. And he's just like, he yeah. knows how it's all going to play out. And yeah. Yeah, you lost him. So. And I do love like the, the judge kind of like, is shitting himself a little bit because you've got the former attorney general sitting in your witness chair, witness stand, and he's like telling you, no, 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 I want to answer this question. You're going to let me answer this question. And he's kind of like, you know, this is the former attorney general.
general, he wants to answer the question. He's going to answer the question. The president is not a client of the attorney general. (laughs) I loved it. Such a great scene. I would also like to point out that all of this happened outside the Democratic National Convention Mm -hmm. in case any Democrats felt like they had the moral high ground for the last 30 decades. (laughs) (laughs) And all over the fact that they were about to give a weakling candidate the nomination. (laughs) Couldn't beat Nixon. So let's talk about that piece for a second, because obviously this whole trial and oh, this is what I was going to bring up in the spoiler free that I couldn't remember at the end and made an idiot of myself. Oh, dude, it's even better now that we've had to wait so long. I know it will be because I loved and I've said this before. I'm not a huge flashback fan. I'm not a huge turn back the clock and show us things in reverse. But this movie, the way that they told the story of the actual protests slash riots slash whatever you want to call it was amazing. The fact that you start in the courtroom, the pre-trial, all this stuff's getting ready. And then all of a sudden, well, it starts showing you the players and what that they're getting ready to go to Chicago. And then it cuts to the fact that they're being prosecuted. And then you get to see throughout this movie simultaneously with the trial, the process of what happened, all these different perspectives. And then you get to hear um, Sasha Baron Cohen's character and Tom or uh, Eddie Redmayne's character giving these dueling accounts of it. One, Sasha Baron Cohen from like the stand-up stage. And then Eddie Redmayne's telling like a story from dude, the way that they told you all the facts of this movie was fucking genius. And I loved it. It kept me so entertained the way that they told this story in the midst of this trial. Oh, I loved it. Those flashbacks, like I was thinking about the the police ones. I was like, you know, if anything, police have been very consistent for the last 40 years. Pretty much handle riots the same way. So not untrue, sir. Not they're nothing if not consistent. But I also did find it really interesting that part of the movie was that the police had undercover detectives go into this crowd, meet some of the leaders of these organizations like like Tom and Abby and I don't know, a couple other people. So to me, it was like, oh, okay, so the police are not looking to diffuse a situation. They're looking to figure out how to blame people once the situation blows up in everyone's faces. And I thought that was really fascinating. That's that's the tactic. It was very like militaristic tactic, you know, uh, which again, not that much different. <laughs> yeah, it was, what do they what do they call it? Clandestine operation mm-hmm. to send mm-hmm. those in. Now, there was some more research. Um, they did send in undercover agents. So there was an FBI agent, there was a Chicago PD agent, and then there was one other. So all of the male characters were true. There were versions of them in the the story that went undercover were Are you trying to tell basically. me that they didn't send a hot blonde to go seduce a hippie? Yeah, they didn't actually. I will not that. stand for that, JJ. Yeah, <laughs> this poor bastard, whatever his name was, he did not get a Reuben, Paul, whatever Reuben was his last name. He did not get catfished by an FBI, female CIA <laughs> or FBI agent. Honeypot <laughs> <laughs> tactic. Right yeah, exactly. He did not get honeypotted by some <laughs> FBI agent. Did she ever ask about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she sends him a drink his reaction to the she sent him to a drink he's like from the blonde over the corner he's like really he <laughs> gets up and walks over there tells a terrible ass story and then she tells the worst joke on the planet what are you talking about dude that was a baller joke <laughs> I love that it was like dad joke of the year seriously I cringe so bad oh I don't why even do remember f- I just remember the punchline why do Frenchmen only cook one egg for breakfast oh yeah because it's uno yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because it's enough. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but yeah, the riot part was nuts. So the way that they broke it up, it's almost like they kind of worked. They only took the parts that were necessary, which was cool because that's how they would do it in the trial, right? Depending on who, which witnesses they're interviewing or talking to, you're only going to hear those accounts. And as some of those accounts are happening, you're seeing that footage of those scenes play out from the actual event of the riot or, you know, the, the incident, as you might call it. So for example, as we're seeing these cops or these embedded police officers give their testimony for the prosecution, you then cut to these scenes where you see them in like actually saying hi, meeting these characters, buying them drinks and telling bad jokes, whatever it is. And so I just, that was part of the biggest part. I really enjoyed that we saw this movie from the perspective of the witnesses telling the story, only then it cut to like the, how they were going to film that. So I just thought that was a really cool way to film it and tell that story. We learned about the story as the jury learned about the story, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I also liked how the defendants and their attorneys were constantly hit with curveballs and you ha- and watching them figure out what to do. And the one that comes to mind is when it comes to light that Tom, during one of the rallies that night, watches his friend get beat over the head with a baton and then yells into the microphone, if blood is going to flow, let it flow throughout the entire city, right? So they have audio footage of that. And Tom was going to take the stand and then the attorney, what's his name? Kunzler. Kunzler. It's Kunzler. Which, it's, uh, yeah, because it, I kept thinking he was saying, the judge was saying counselor until I did my research and it's K-E-U-N-S-L-E-R, Kunzler. But, yeah, I'm going to call him Attorney K. There you go. Uh, <laughs> anyway, then Attorney K is just like, yeah, you can't get on the stand because of this. And I really liked that scene because they go through it there and Tom's like, well, no, well, let's listen to it and question me like you're an attorney or whatever and I'll answer. And it quickly, very quickly just goes off the rails and Tom looks like a fucking violent, like anarchist. Abby, at the end, he's like, oh, you meant to say if our blood is going to flow, then let our blood flow throughout the city. Like make the city watch as the police beats the shit out of us. And then Abby took the stage. I just loved that scene for some reason. What I loved that in this moment of Tom getting his ass handed to him by their own lawyer to prove that he cannot take the stand. Abby has this moment and they had just had an argument, right? They were getting ready to go blows because they had this argument about it. Abby was like, oh, Billy, Tom just tried to beat me up, but through intellectual superiority, uh, just stop. Just stop talking. <laughs> and then, so and then Abby has, it's really cool. I like this moment where they like come together because Abby realizes, and it, when he, just like you said over here, when he realizes that he meant to put in our blood, he starts mentioning, he goes, yeah, Tom's always had a problem with possessive pronouns. He'll leave them out because he just assumes that everybody understands that he's talking about the possessive pronoun, which means you have had to have studied this man and listened to him well, speak and read. In this paper, he does the same thing. And Tom's like, you read that publication? And he's like, like, I've read everything you've written. Yeah, he's like, you're a really smart guy. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're getting ready to go to blows. And then I, and then I couldn't help but laugh and goes, the typical men, we're ready to punch each other out. <laughs> and then we're best friends again five minutes later. That's your typical stoner, dude. Oh, that's true, too. <laughs> but that's where, like, this whole movie, Sasha Baron Cohen is a fucking revelation as a serious actor. And I've only ever seen him in stupid humor or Les Mis, which he plays an extreme character in that movie as well, which I loved what he did with it. But which Les Mis, the one with Russell Crowe or the one before that? Yeah, no, the most recent with Eddie Redmayne and then yeah. Russell Crowe and, and uh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman. Yeah, so he was in, he played the innkeeper that had the little girl. That 
gave like all the silverware and stuff. No, he played the, the yeah that he there was he was constantly stealing. So the master of, they did the master of the house song when yeah. they're coming into his bar stealing everybody's shit. That yeah. was Sasha Baron Cohen. So he did that, but everything else is stuff like Ricky Bobby. You know what I mean? And he's playing the French race car driver and Ricky. Oh, Bobby. that's him. Yeah, that's Sasha Baron Cohen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah. hilarious yeah, that's Ricky Bobby <laughs> Ricky Bobby <laughs> Baron Cohen. so like that or like Borat or like the, the other ones that he's done that are like these satires which when you watch like Borat as much as I don't enjoy it because I don't enjoy that kind of comedy it's actually genius fucking comedy because he's making a statement in everything that he does with throughout those movies if you pay enough attention but I can't get past the slapstick shit and the make me uncomfortable shit to laugh at it that much. So I also like that Abby's character, even in that serious conversation with Tom, he still is like, it's so weird because he's like, doesn't take anything seriously, but he takes everything seriously at the same time. So Tom is like, if you act like a jackass, people are going to look at revolutionists like we're jackasses and we're not going to win elections and we're not going to be able to change anything. It's like, I can't believe someone still has to explain this to you. And then Abby says, we didn't have any money. And Tom's like, what? He's like, when you don't have money, you make a spectacle. You make an event and people show up and they come and they watch and they listen. He's like, I can't believe people still have to explain this to you. <laughs> and even earlier in the movie, someone told Tom, Abby is not as dumb as you think he is. Right? Mm-hmm. And you just see glimpses of that. Like, Abby's a super smart guy. Like, when he takes the stand, the judge asks when he was born. He's like, intellectually 1960. The judge is like, what were you doing before that? He's like, I don't know. I think they called the American education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, nothing. Nothing. Thing. I yeah, think I they doing... call that the American education. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. No, no, I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Abby's like my favorite character. Like, Mine amazing too. character. Mine too. And that and the lawyer. That's the judge. Oh. They have judges' robes. <laughs> that actually happened. They did that shit. <laughs> About that. Are you crazy? Yeah, they did that. They did mm. so more shit. So apparently they didn't show in this movie half of the shit that those two did to piss off the judge. They wore the judge's robes. They had, they they brought little, you know, the little flags that each country has at like the UN. They brought little Vietnamese flags and put them in, on their desk in front of them. So they did a bunch of shit to just piss all over the judge and to piss him off and make him mad because he's already batshit and those two figured out early an old interview that they did with Abby like he they he says we figured out early we had no chance of winning this because the judge was 100% convinced we were un-American and we were we were not meant to win he wanted us to lose so he did everything in his power to make sure it happened and so he said we just were like no we're going to make this about the politics and about how can we make people watch us the which they did revolution I love it still took like five months, right? How long was yeah, the six months. trial? Five, six months. Six or seven months. months. It was a long time. I can't imagine going through that day after day. Like, but it's not day after day, right? Like most most like big ticket trials like that do last a few months. Yeah, you're Monday through Friday. It's like a full yeah, it's a full time job. It's it's uh so I haven't done it, but a friend of mine was in jury duty for a capital murder murder trial down in Texas, and it was like seven and a half months, Monday through Friday. Some days you would have off 
Like if the judge had something going on or, you know, if there, there were other things going on in the courtroom, you might have two days off to where you weren't in the courtroom or a day here and there. But most of the time it was five days a week for a trial that big. I was like a salaried employee. So that's they the have. crazy thing about they have to pay you. So you get your job has to pay or has to keep your job at the very least. Most jobs will actually give you some sort of stipend because you're doing civic duty. And then the courtroom you get also you usually will get paid if it's a big trial like that. You'll get paid a certain amount to be yeah, pennies, though, right? Oh, like no, it's like yeah, it's less than minimum wage shit. Like it's tiny, yeah. but they feed you. And if you get sequestered, they house you and things like that. So and a lot of trials in that case, like my buddy got sequestered about two and a half months in because it was that I, big of a I deal. Look at that word. They used, yeah, they use it in the trial. They're like, he's going to sequester the, the jury. I was like, oh, that sounds sounds a little dirty. Like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> it's kinky shit. Like, the judge is going to do what to who? No, it's crazy. They put them in a hotel and then they clear out the hotel. Usually it's a little shitty motel, like uh, a Motel 6 or something. Like a guarded motel. And, yeah, and then they fucking, they don't tell them where they're at. They put them up in a hotel in their own separate rooms and then they have police that are there at the hotel. They're not allowed to watch TV. They're not allowed to take phone calls. They're not. It's nuts because you can't be influenced That'd in any so way. Boring. Yeah, oh, oh, it'd be horrible. It's so boring. Yeah, yeah. Quote, yeah, jury duty. Casey wants to do it and I I got called one time and luckily didn't get chose and I I should, shouldn't say luckily. I think now as an almost 40-year-old man, like I think I would find it interesting to a degree, but not a six-month to a year trial. Like I think if it was more than like a week long, I'd be like, fuck this. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah, I would have a hard time with those long-term ones. But yeah, dude, if like, I don't know, what's like what's like serious, but like a step below capital murder, like lowercase like, murder? Like, you know, like a manslaughter mm-hmm. judge. Maybe <laughs> maybe you could get like a, a DUI manslaughter case and put away yeah. some crazy asshole that becomes a, a drug kingpin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <about> that. <laughs> Gotta be the most boring subject on a podcast. You're like, what the hell? These guys talked about jury duty for 15 minutes. <laughs> JJ is almost 40. Jeez, yeah, you want no to talk about the crossword puzzle while they're at it? <laughs> Sudoku, man. Come on. <laughs> One thing that was pretty crazy was the way that this whole, the actual riot or the incident itself happened. They did have, they were going to bail out Tom, who got arrested, and over 800 people followed them to the police station. There was this line of police that were waiting for them there. They did recall them back to the park where they were all at. And when they got there, it was just like that. There was They were basically surrounded within this park. And enough happened that obviously there were instigators on both sides, but people started attacking. They went out, they tried to climb the hill and all hell broke loose. And of course, tear gas was used. Wooden batons at the time in the in 68 were probably, I don't know if they're worse or better than the fiberglass shit that they use now. But these batons, I mean, they beat the shit out of people. Very few cops, if I remember right in my research, there were a handful that were injured, but most of them that weren't. And they were light injuries, whereas there were over 450 people in the hospital. Just overkill, like literally. And so they do reference, and you talked about the part where the old attorney general comes in and says that this is what happened. And he, he references their Justice Department doing research, coming up with the fact that it was the cops that started the riot. That actually, that those that research or that investigation was actually released. And it was, he, that was true. They did find that current administration's Justice Department found that it was excessive force. The cops were the ones that instigated it. And the way that the whole thing, the whole protest was handled was not as it should have been.
in. And so that's why all of that was made to not end up in court at that time, because mm-hmm. it literally was the U.S. government saying, yeah, we fucked up. So does it say what actions were taken for disciplinary purposes or no, whatever? Nothing. Yeah. No shit, Sherlock. Some things never fucking change, do they? Yeah. So in that case, obviously nothing happened because in the time that it could have happened, you know, just like anything else, they don't want it to look bad on the government. They don't want to have the blame for the police force, things like that, which in that situation, that definitely there should have been some accountability there. And they actually had names of in this documentation, they had names of officers who there were witnesses of instigation from specific officers and actions taken to drive and make the violence worse. And then the excessive force that was used. So in reality, if they were to at that time use that investigation, they could have put police on trial. But as much as it it was even worse in 68, because you didn't have near the not every person had a cell phone. Could you imagine? I don't know that it would have been much different, but I think there would have been a little bit different if everybody had a, an iPhone that they could have recorded the whole damn thing. You know what I mean? So while I hate the fact that everybody's got a cell phone that they record everything and goes back to what we'll talk about in a minute, the context of something, because any video can be taken out of context. Mm-hmm. But it also does change the narrative. If there is video from multiple sources, you can watch all those videos and get a good, pretty good piece together if it's done right. And there's not a contextual manipulation, right? You just get raw footage of everything that was videoed. You can come to some really good determinations of what actually happened in situations. Yeah. Like don't hike alone while cougars are chasing you. No shit. I would have lied, laid down, peed myself and gotten eaten. <laughs> That's another example of problem solved. If you were strapped, you know, <laughs> I don't mean to be a broken record. I'm just saying I see problems all the time that could be solved if you had that. But you wouldn't shoot the tiger. You shoot the ground near the tiger, right? Or the Dude, lion. If it was a fucking tiger, you bet your ass I'm shooting that tiger. But since it was a mountain lion, no. Just, <laughs> we shoot tigers or lions. Absolutely. I'm terrified. Dude, you guys remember that story? I don't even remember where it was in like Singapore. These people were throwing garbage and cans at a zoo at a tiger. This tiger gets so pissed off, it jumps the trench gap that separates it from the wall. And then it climbs the wall and maims that dude. Tigers do not mess around. So yes, I would shoot a tiger. (laughs) Tigers are no joke, man. Uh Uh-uh. Now, cougars are little bitches, but tigers... Especially BYU Cougars. I mean... No, I'm with you, man. Love you, man. (laughs) I hate BYU, dude. I do, too. So I do want to talk about one thing before we wrap up, because I think we've talked mostly about what this movie showed, and I think we've done a really good job of covering the major points. But one thing is Abby's testimony. When they decide they're going to put Abby on the stand, which I really love that at the end of that, Tom's like, you should put Abby on the stand. Yeah. So Abby gets up there, and his testimony was by far my favorite part of this movie. It included my favorite favorite line and my new mantra when it comes to someone asking me about government, because I've told you guys, and I think I've mentioned it in the podcast before, I'm I'm very apolitical. I hate politics. I think it's garbage, but I hate every side of the government. I hate our two party system. I hate politicians. I think they're uh, just fucking irritates me all of the government in every, almost every facet. So when he says, they ask him, are you, do you have contempt for your government? Mm-hmm. And he says, I think the institutions of our government are wonderful things that right now are populated by some terrible people. Like mm-hmm. I got goosebumps and I watched that like I rewound that and watched that like six times.
times. And I was like, that's my fucking theme because I feel that way. I love the basis of our government. I love the documents that it was created on. I love the idea of what, how, why it was created. I love the reasons that we fled Europe and came here. I don't like what we did when we got here per se, but I do love what our government was founded on. The people that continue to run it, I don't love almost any of them. Yeah, I actually, I love the follow-up line to that too, because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character was like, you didn't answer the question, answer the question. He's like, say it again. Like, do you have contempt for your government? He's like, not nearly as much contempt as my government has for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that is always 100% true, that your government will always hate you more than you hate it. (laughs) Because your government is willing to kill you at any given point. Especially if you're if you're a rabble rouser. Yeah, if you're trying, you know, if you're a, an activist like that, absolutely. Because anything, and that's the part that I hate. It's people, right? Think about it. When it comes down to our government, the problem, biggest problem I have with our government is we don't have, outside of our president, we don't have term limits on the House, the Senate. Those assholes can be in there for as long as they want. Well, then they, you get people like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. They've been there for 40 <laughs> years. And it's like, okay, look, their whole goal is not to make this country better. I don't give a shit which side of the aisle they're on. I don't care if they're an independent. I don't care if they have been in office for that long. They don't give a shit about the freaking country. They give a shit about keeping their job and making money. That is a career. That's not a civil service. It's a career. And that's my, that's always been my problem since I was old enough to know what government was, was that no government official that's a civil servant to our people in our country should have their political assignment or their political whatever circle be a career. You should should not be able to make a career out of being a politician. Dude, we should just have NFL drafts for the government. I'm in. It's you better know? than the shit we do now. You've got all these states who are like, yeah, I want that dude. And so they're like bidding on that dude, you know, even the federal <laughs> government's like, no, we want that guy, you know, and then you give Florida whatever's left over. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that because if I could figure it out, I would get the most radical California, New York mines or wherever into Utah to watch the populace of Utah's brains melt. Dude, we are here in Utah. We are so crazy red. Like like a Democrat hasn't won the seat, like the governor's seat in like three decades or something. Like it has been forever. And forget about anyone independent, like libertarian. I like it was until like six months ago that I learned we even had a libertarian party here in Utah. <laughs> so, anyway, no, Utah, I would love to bring in just some wackadoo, far extreme liberals that would come in and just melt all of these poor conservatives' brains. And mm-hmm. not because I give a shit. It's not that I'm that liberal. I don't. But I want to watch people fucking lose their shit because oh, it would be pure you know, gold. I didn't finish my thought because you know how like like the average NFL player plays really only plays for like four years. Yeah. Like yeah. They're a superstar. That's it. We just maintain that same system where we just physically beat down our government leaders' bodies (laughs) until they are physically incapable of doing it anymore and they have to transition into the private sector. Dude, we could run with this for real because you could also do like free agency or like trades and shit. The state's like, no, fuck this guy. We don't want him anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You (laughs) fucking trade that shit. Like Colorado's like, oh, I've had it up to here with this state (laughs) legislator. (laughs) Fucking put him out on waivers and shit. Shit. <laughs> yeah. So we don't we don't vote for a governor. We vote for a governor, manager, or a GM. This is a GM of Utah. You I know? love it. It's fucking beautiful. We need to run with this shit. We need to run with it. I'm surprised no one listens to us. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great ideas. <laughs> so the one another thing that didn't happen with this movie is the final speech from Tom, where he he's able to speak for everyone. The judge gives him this whole ultimatum of make sure it's remorseful, no politics, and it needs to be brief. And then he proceeds to read the names that his buddy has been keeping writing down that of the soldiers that have died in Vietnam. It's a, it makes for a great movie moment, unbelievable moment, especially where they stop it in the middle, give you the statistics of the real people and, and the things that happened to them, and then cuts back to let you listen to it as he's still going. And then people saying, you know, the whole world's watching, but it didn't actually happen that way. He did give a small speech, but it was, yeah, he, they didn't. Now the names did get read during the trial, but not in that way. It was actually oh, okay. his little buddy that got hit over the head that he just started reading them. And then he got cut off and another contempt charge was placed on another person in this trial. But the actual scene of him standing up and reading those like that didn't actually happen, but still made for a fantastic movie moment. Like, oh, great. Goosebumps. I like shit. how they paused it to give you one of those running updates. I'm like, dude, Abby kills himself in real life. Yeah, he was bipolar. Ah, made me so sad. But then Tom goes on to like be, be a politician. Elected. Yeah, to be a politician. Piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And then it unfreeze frames it, like replays it, and he's still reading. And the judge is like, bang, 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 bang. Awesome. Yeah, he kept looking, going, poor Frank Langella. He's like 80 years old. The guy's probably dislocated his shoulder hitting the freaking gavel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's my problem with that. I'm like, the whole time we've been having the bailiffs just beating the shit out of the defendants. And then suddenly that's just not an option anymore. So <laughs> I'm like, if this judge is being consistent, he just has an army of bailiffs waiting outside. And they're just going to freaking curb stomp everyone. Yeah, crazy. And, and it is sad, that, you know, that Abby killed himself. He did write a book, though. Did you see that? Oh, I, I want to read it, actually. I do, too. It's called it's Steal called This steal Book. It. Yeah, Steal This Book. Yeah. So they don't know how many copies are out there because they're yeah. been stealing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. hilarious. I was like, oh, that is such a him thing. I, I really enjoyed this movie, guys. I thought there was just enough political angst. There was enough story and, and the acting is wonderful. So, yeah, I agree the like just enough political angst right there's just enough to just light a fire in your belly and just really remind you that government sucks you know <laughs> but like not so not Waco so much where you're like I am ready to like march to the Capitol building and just like draw and quarter anyone who has a job with the government right? it's not that bad yeah <laughs> you got a badge what the <laughs> <laughs> like Waco is like really heavy like that yeah is not that bad, but it's... Yeah, it's just bad in different ways. Uh, and to kind of build on that, because I think you're right. Looking back on Waco, it was it was a well done production, right? The acting was Absolutely. amazing. The story's great. It was a beautiful show. But the problem was, is when I look back on it and I think about Waco, is it it's designed with the way that it's filmed and shown to make you uncomfortable and make you mad, no matter which side of the argument you're on. It's right. designed to do that. This one to me was more of like, it, there's still moments that made me mad. Like there's moments that made me disgusted and sad for the state of our country even in 68 and now again, obviously in these times of turmoil, but it also did it in an educational way, in a way that showed me what happened, not, not, and not purposefully to make me angry, but to make me aware. And I can tell you how to feel, right? But it's like, this is what happened. How do you feel about that? And I'm like, angry. (laughs) 
Yeah. You're like, that's the correct response. <laughs> well, it's it's like I told you the other day in the boys podcast, right? So I saw a meme that I thought, or it wasn't even a meme, but it was a statement that I was really impressed with and really stuck with me that it was originally the news would tell you the truth and you got to choose how you feel about it. Nowadays, the media tells you how to feel about something and I have to figure out if they're telling the truth or not. And so that's what I love about this is it with some liberties, right? To make it a better, more entertaining movie, but not so much that it's a false narrative. But do you look at it and they tell a story that is full of truth and let me decide where I fall in the spectrum of how I want to react and and how I want to handle what I'm seeing and being shown. So I really respect that about this movie. I have one more line that I would like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. In like the very beginning of the trial, when Attorney K goes to Bobby Seal and he's like, hey, I just want you to, how was breakfast or whatever? And then the other Black Panther was like, leave him alone or whatever. He's like, that's good advice. And then he goes back over and he leans to Tom and he's like, Tom, remember what I told you? Tom's like, yeah, I'll remember that. But you remember to keep us out of prison. And Attorney K is like, there's just a lot of good advice this morning. <laughs> I enjoyed Attorney K. Like, I enjoyed that character. Me too. The He's actor, great. Yeah, he did really him. good. It was really good. That was a good line. There was some pretty good lines in this show. A lot of good right, lines. Let's rate this thing. If you're joining us for the first time, we rate on a zero to five scale. Zero being the absolute worst movie you've ever seen. Five being a gem of a movie. It was beautiful. You loved it. So we will jump in and give each, all three of us, give a rating it's within that scale. I will start us off. Guys, I can't say it enough. I enjoyed this movie. It was thought provoking. It was emotional. It was a great way to tell this story. I thought the filming was great. I thought the way they laid the story out was fantastic, fun to watch, kept me entertained. And I was enthralled from the beginning to end. And it made me want to go do research to see how much of this was true. And then I was even more impressed to find out that most of it was very true and portrayed in a way that was as accurate as possible and still have an entertaining movie. So to me, this movie, if when it comes to the relevance of what's going on in the world today, plus a good testament of our history and the problems that we've been fighting for years now so i love this movie i'm gonna give it a five that is my rating i am gonna pass it off to ian to go next yay um (laughs) so i (laughs) i found myself liking this movie more than i thought i was there were definitely chimes when jj was like we're gonna watch chicago seven i was like (laughs) oh no here comes another waco kind of to your point when they brought up and showed some of the things they showed they did it in a way that there's enough angst to make it true and like true to form, but not in a way that made me like want to lose it on somebody. I think you guys kind of already mentioned that, but I think they did a really good job because I always always struggle with these movies, guys. I'm a systems guy. Like I like the system. And if you follow the system, then it will work out for you kind of a thing. And I was able to watch this and walk away going like that happened. It was wrong. It wasn't like I disagree with what was done in that movie, but I didn't come away feeling like, I don't know, like just, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Maybe you guys can figure out what I'm trying to say, but I don't know what I'm You didn't come away feeling like me or to even Javier's extreme that the system's broken. You still have faith in the system, but you understand there's flaws. Yeah. And it presented it in a way that I was able to accept that those flaws are real and have happened and need to be addressed. So in that sense, I think it did awesome. Uh, Like I kind of mentioned, I really enjoyed the interplay between some of the actors, especially Tom and Abby. I think that was extremely well done and it shows the different methods, even though they had similar goals. And I thought that was very important to kind of show and tell in this movie. I'm going to go with a four. I didn't think I would rate it that high, but it's good. It's worth watching at least once. Javier, finish us off here. Okay. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. 
<laughs> you know, Ian, I also believe in the system. I believe that it is deeply flawed. <laughs> 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 I liked this movie a lot more like like what Ian said I liked it a lot more than I thought I was going to it wasn't slow but like I can see how someone would think it was slow and typically I don't like those types of movies this is really captivating for what the discussion is for what the topic is super <laughs> captivating they do a good job between showing you in the courtroom footage and splicing that out with outside the courtroom footage like the riots and stuff leading up to it stand up comedy very cool progression we've talked about the acting like a million times but <laughs> But seriously, like for a group of actors who are not A-list actors, you know, I, they're some of them are forgotten actors. Some of them are ridiculous actors from Borat. Like, <laughs> like I said, some of them are knockoff Harry Potter actors, right? Do a phenomenal job at playing their characters and like making you like each one of them in their own ways. So I, I don't think this movie would have been what it is without those specific actors. I'm having a hard time thinking like what actors could replay could play any other character besides those guys. So I'm going to give this a four and a half. I marked down half a point just because it's one of those heavy movies that like I'll totally watch it again, but probably not until I forget about my feelings about it until <laughs> later. Oh, I was going to mention one more thing. Nope, that's it. That's all I got for you. Four and a half would totally watch it again. I think you guys should watch it too. Yeah, I forgot to say that I would I would watch it again. I probably will because Casey wasn't with me when I watched it. So I want her to watch it because it's that good. So definitely go check this movie out. So we appreciate you listening. That's our verdict. There's our ratings. Check us out. You can find us on our website, what's our verdict.com. You can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at what's our verdict. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Ghana. Make sure you check it out. Next week, we are doing a movie called Rebecca. I'm going to apologize to Javier now. It looks very intense. It's another Netflix original. It looks fantastic, but it looks intense. So that's our verdict. We appreciate you tuning in for us, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye now. Cinemagic out. <laughs> <laughs>